Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. If you, if you all will notice, if everyone will notice up on the screen behind me, uh, we are not having a, ba- a baby dedication this morning. Even though Tyler and Caitlin do have a new addition to their family, we're, we're not dedicating her this morning. We're not, we're not going to dedicate her. Uh, Kristen just thought she would throw that in for your v- viewing pleasure. So... Everyone can be seated. And again, it, it's good to be here with you this morning. It is such an honor to be behind, behind the Lord's pulpit. To, you know, I, I took, a, took a little bit of a hiatus from, from being back here behind the pulpit, working with the youth and stuff. Uh, it's just a, not that the message has changed. It's just a different setting, a different delivery, a different way of, of doing things. So it is such a, such a privilege and honor to be back up here in front of you all and delivering God's Word. A song this morning, what he's done, what he's done, just something about those words, they, they hit really, really hard. Because we can really focus on a lot of different things in our lives, and we can focus on what the world has done, and we can focus on what people have done, we can focus on what politics have done, but I think each and every day we need to wake up and we need to be reminded about what he's done, about what he done upon that cross, what he done in that grave and what he promises he's going to do upon his return. What a, what a glorious message that we can be reminded of today. As we adventure through the New Testament, we're in the book of Acts. And over the last couple of weeks, we've, uh, we've made a lot of progress. And the book of Acts is such an interesting book because it's like a history book. It's a historical documentation of not only Christ's ascension into heaven, but it's a historical documentation of the birth of the church. And oftentimes I find myself thinking, how did this whole thing happen? How did we get to the point where we come together and we gather and we, we perform all these ministries in the name of the Lord? How did all of this happen? And it can really be, be pointed back in the direction of one specific moment. One specific moment of a group of men and women that came together. They came together in one accordance. And they seen the promise fulfilled. Of the Holy Spirit coming. That Christ was going to leave. And it just indwelling his people. And it being the birth of the church. But what is the church? Such a good question, isn't it? What is the church? We look at our scripture this morning in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47. We get a really good explanation of what the church is, what the church's purpose is, and who the head of the church must always be. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47, starting in verse 41, it says, So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. 
Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. If you will, let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time of worship, Lord. God, we thank you for this gathering. We thank you for your church, God, as we study the birth of your church, the reason and purpose for your church. God, we just ask that you, that you show yourself today to, to those who have never seen you, to those who have never known you, to those who doubt you, Lord, that you make yourself so evident and so present, Lord, that they can leave here without any denying that you are the King of kings. You are the Son of, of God. And you're our only way to heaven. God, again, I just pray that you be with each and every one today, that we are forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So summer's, I, can't, I guess summer's kind of officially over. Um, even though we have some hot days left, school is, is in full swing. Fall sports are in full swing. And that's kind of consumed my household here uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I coach elementary basketball, elementary girls basketball at Barberville City School. And just a little insight on that, they play their entire season in about seven weeks. So we have 25, 25 games in seven weeks. So a lot of weeks we have three, four, five games. This week has been an ultra busy week. We had five games this week. We played two yesterday morning. And then after we got done with two ball games, we went and celebrated my oldest daughter. Emily, her 16th birthday, 16th birthday, so that was, yeah, you can give her a hand, yeah. So it's been a busy week in the Bingham household. Uh, I don't know that besides passing each other, me and Jamie's really got to sit down and have a conversation this week. Uh, It's been very busy, and you know, it's easy to get caught up in that. It's easy to get caught up in that, and I know all of you are familiar with that, and you all have lived in that same kind of life. We all have careers, we all have families, we all have kids, we all have sports, we all have these things, and it's very easy to get caught up in it. And I found myself at one point this week looking at everything and just trying to take a breath. And it was hard just to take a breath because I knew I had church coming up. I had a sermon to prepare for. I had the youth to prepare for. I had multiple ball games. I had a sweet 16 party that we were trying to decorate for. And at some point, I was like, something has to go. Something has to give. I can't give my kids away. We're past that point now. Uh, they, are, they are ours. So we can't really, can't really get rid of them. And we've already made this commitment to so many things. So what do you... What do you get rid of? Where do you find the time? Where do you find, where do you find the, the energy to continue doing all of these things? And I had to take a deep breath and be reminded that it's not all about me. It's not. It's not all about me. It's about who I serve. It's about the people I serve. It's about the family I serve. And most importantly, it's about the God that I serve. 
But what I see happen a lot of times is we, we start dwindling that list of things to do and we start dwindling, dwindling that list of commitments that we have and the first thing that we mark off, unfortunately, is church. Wednesday night's just not really convenient for me. That's the only night I can rest. It's the only night that our family has together, so we're just not going to go on Wednesday nights. Sunday nights are hard because we've been to church. We had to get up and go to Sunday school. We're tired. I didn't get my nap, so we're just going to skip out on Sunday nights. Lord understands. He knows. He knows I need a break. I need a breath. You know what? This Sunday, I might just skip. I've been to 10 in a row. Surely, I've built up enough credit with the Lord that he'll let me off one Sunday morning. But that's where we are as a people. That's where we are. We start prioritizing things, and unfortunately, church has fell to the bottom of our priority list. As we read here in the book of Acts, though, we read here in the book of Acts, it was their first priority. It was their top priority. We wonder why things aren't happening in our lives. We wonder why things aren't happening in our church. Why aren't we seeing hundreds and thousands of people getting saved each and every day. It's because of our dedication. It's because of our priority in which we have placed church. You see, these men and women, these men and women in the book of Acts, God was first and foremost. They had given up everything. They had given up their careers. They would given up their families. They would given up all their extracurricular activities. And believe it or not, Peter's son did not play travel ball. See, church was first and foremost. God was first and foremost. So when these men were gathering together and they were praying and they were talking and this whole concept of church kind of began to, to bloom and to blossom, they made a commitment then and there that nothing else, nothing else would be put before it. And because of this commitment, they seen great things happen. They seen the Holy Spirit physically move throughout people. And one day, I don't think we, we understand, we understand the gravity of 3,000 people. 3,000 people came to know the Lord in one day. Now this is beyond anything that our minds can comprehend, but 3,000 people came to know the Lord in one day, and it's because it, it was a group of people that were focused first and foremost on Jesus Christ. Like I said, we all have busy weeks. We all have busy lives. We all have things that's going on. There's a lot of reasons for us not to come to church. And one of the reasons that I hear often is, Pastor, I just don't like that church. I just don't like that church. There's somebody in there that hurt my feelings 15 years ago, and I just don't, I just don't think I'll go back. Or, Pastor, I just don't like, the, I just don't like the, the way you guys do things. I don't like the new music. Or, or, Pastor, I don't like the old music. Or, Pastor, the carpet just, it, it isn't vacuumed correctly. The lines are diagonal, and I would really like them to be more vertical. There's all kinds of reasons that we come up with. The most common reason is that, Pastor, your, your church isn't perfect. Your church isn't perfect, and I'm really searching for that perfect church, and when I find that perfect church, that's when I'm going to make the commitment. That's when I'm going to start coming. That's when I'm going to read my Bible. That's when I'm going to really get into the ministry, Pastor, but I've just not found that perfect church yet. Well, we're going to discuss that this morning. We're going to discuss the perfect church. As we just mentioned, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were added to the Lord's kingdom, and it was because there was a, a likeness there was a like-mindedness of a, of a certain group of men that came together and they put God first. 
thing we need to know about these men, though, is that they were all broken. They were all broken men. None of them were perfect. Peter himself denied the Lord. All these men had faults, and all these men have reasons for all of us to look at them and say, I'm not going to his church. If we really want to look at, at Peter realistically, Peter, a lot of times, wasn't a pleasant guy. He wasn't a pleasant guy to be around. He was stuck in his ways. He was used to being a leader of his family, leader of his ship, of his fishing crew, and he liked things done his way and his way only. And there's even documentation in the New Testament that Peter and some of the disciples didn't agree. Can you believe that Peter and Paul didn't agree on things? They actually had a conversation that wasn't very pleasant with one another. And I think all of us would walk into the church that Peter was preaching at and be like, man, he just hurt my feelings this morning. So I probably won't be back. So there's all kinds of reasons for us not to come to church. But the biggest one is, is that there is no perfect church. That's our number one reason. There's always going to be someone giving us a reason. There's always going to be something giving us a reason. But these men and these women that had devoted themselves devoted themselves to the creation of the church, they were different. The first thing we look at this morning is they were devoted. We see that word repeated over and over in this piece of Scripture, and it's for a reason. It's because there was nothing else that came before the church. Nothing else came before Christ and His cause. Nothing else. They devoted their lives. They devoted their families. They devoted their means, their income. Everything they had, they devoted to the creation of the church. We also see here in the Scripture that they were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to being with each other. Can you believe it? These church people actually liked each other. They actually liked each other enough that they wanted to spend all their time together. Not because they had wonderful personalities, because we just talked about Peter's personality needed a little tweaking. But it was because of the cause that they came for. They could overlook Peter's personality flaws, and they could see his passion for the Lord. And it was because of this they could devote to fellowship. They devoted to breaking of bread. Now, us Baptists, we find this one pretty easy. Anytime we can get an opportunity to eat, we're going to eat. And that's literally what it means here in this scripture. It means that they ate together. But if you look past it a little further, it's more than just eating. What do we do when we eat together? We conversate. We have community. We have love. We have gatherings. We grow closer to each other around the table. And I do believe that is why we, we see our culture, we see our society moving in a direction that, that we we would all probably agree isn't so pleasant. It's because we don't have set-down dinners anymore. We don't sit down at the dinner table each and every night and ask our kids, how was your day? What's going on? What's bothering you? What happened good in your day today? Again, we're all too busy. Our schedules. We have all these things going on, but these men and women, they made sure to make it a priority and I also think one of the most important things that these men and women did is they devoted to prayer. I believe a praying church is a working church. In a working church, you see people's souls saved. But it is all through prayer. And I am so thankful for this church because I have seen it firsthand. There are so many prayer warriors in this church. 
If you're just visiting with us today, I want you to know at this very moment there's someone in the back room that is praying for you. They are praying for you right now. Not only in that back room, there's, there's people in these pews that are praying for your soul today. And I do believe that's what it takes. I believe that's what it takes. That we'll never be that perfect church, but in pursuit of it, we have to commit to prayer. We have to commit to speaking to our Father. The second thing that these men and women done is they became united in Christ. They weren't united in their, in their hobbies. They weren't united in their politics. They weren't united in their, their customs. They were united in Christ. You see, they come from all walks of life. We had fishermen and tax collectors. We had thieves. We had killers, murderers, criminals, politicians. We had all these different types of people that were able to come together and they were able to unite in one cause. And that cause was Christ. Together, they held all these things in common. They had the same beliefs. They believed in Jesus Christ. They believed Jesus died upon the cross because most of these men and women had seen it firsthand. They believed that Jesus Christ rose from the grave because they seen it firsthand. They had the faith that you cannot ever understand. They believed that Christ was coming back because they seen him return once. And he promised that he was going to return again. All these things that separate our religion, that separate our denominations, all these small, minute things that keep us from coming together as a united church under Jesus Christ, these men and women were able to separate. So we don't care about your politics. We don't care about your denomination. We don't care about your location. We just care about Jesus. And because of this, they've seen unbelievable things happen. These men and women had the same ambition. They didn't care what, what you'd done or what you were going to do. They just cared that you were pursuing Christ. They didn't care the means that you got it. They didn't care how little you had or how much you had. They just cared that you were pursuing Christ. These men and women had the same God. They weren't separated about theology and about who God is and who God isn't. They weren't separated about all these minute things. They knew the God of creation because they had witnessed his son on earth. And they knew he was who he said he was. Most importantly, these men and women had the same Savior. They were saved by the same man. As the multitudes continued to grow, as it went from 11 to 50 to 3,000, they all had the same thing in common. They all had one Savior. They all had one man to thank for their eternal salvation, and that was Jesus. It wasn't how much they were doing. It wasn't anything else, any of these minute details that we focus on each and every day. It was all about Jesus. It's something I've tried to instill in our youth in this short time that we've been together is that if you don't know the answer, the answer is what, youth? Say it loud. It's Jesus. It all points back to Jesus. He said, I am the way. Not a way. Jesus said, I am the way. You can't get there by works. You can't get there by who you are or what you've done can only get there through the blood of Christ. 
The third thing that this, this new church, this new church of creation that they all had in common is that they had a selfless cause. It wasn't about them. You see, we live in a world where they tell us it's all about me. It's about how you feel. It's about your rights. It's about your freedom. It's about what makes you feel good. And we're seeing that play out in our children's lives. This self-righteousness that we promote as a world. That you are great and you are good and it doesn't matter what anyone says about you. Well, I have some dim reality for you. We're not great. And we're not good. And if you put your faith in people, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Because we are a broken creation. We were created in His, His perfection, but we are broken in our sin. The reality is we are all doomed for hell. The reality is we all deserve hell. You're not good enough. And I know that's hard to hear the pastor say this morning. We're supposed to lift up, right? We're supposed to tell you we all love you and we do love you. But we're not good enough. If we were good enough, we wouldn't need a Savior. But I am here to confess to you this morning that I need a Savior. I am broken. I am incapable and I need his precious, his precious anointment up on my life. I need him to stand before the judge because if I stand before that judge, it's going to render a, a guilty conviction. But because my Savior stands before me, because of my faith in him, and he stands in front of that judgment, it is a righteous judgment, and it is perfect because he never sinned. He never forsaked him. So we have to have this selfless cause. I do things not for myself. I do things for others. I do things for others because I'm doing it for God. The fourth thing that these men and women, that they had a vision and they had a hold of was gathering together. Now I know we're, we're in a weird time. We're post-COVID. If we weren't post-COVID, we were in covid and now we're even categorizing it as pre-COVID. People's going back and saying, well, I kind of felt weird, so I kind of knew it was coming. So we even have a pre-COVID time, and we give all this recognition to why we cannot come to church. Well, I'm just not, just not ready. These men and women, nothing in hell or on earth would stop them from gathering together. Not disease, not death, not conviction. You see, their lives were on the line. There were people that were constantly hunting them. And I say that intentionally, they were hunting them, looking for them, gathering together in the name of Christ to murder them, to put them on the cross the same way that they did their Lord and Savior. Yet they continued to gather together. You think they were able to hide 3,000 people pretty easy? I don't think so. But I don't think these men and women cared. There was nothing that was going to keep them from gathering together and worshiping Jesus. Not because they deserved it, but because He deserves it. You see, again, that we get back to that point. Why do we come to church? Well, I come to get fed. I come to feel good. I come to hear the good music. I come to see my friend. 
When in actuality, church, the reason that we should come to church each and every time that the doors is open is because we have a Savior that died for the church. He said the church was worth it. He said the church was worthy. He said your brokenness and your disobedience, that he would die for it anyway. If you feel guilty for not coming to church, amen. Praise the Lord. Because I feel guilty. I feel guilty when I can't get here. They gathered every day. Not only did they gather out in the fields, they gathered in the temple. Wherever they could gather to worship, that's where they gathered. And that's something we have to grab back a hold of. We have to grab back a hold of that and we have to make, implement that in our lives. In our children's lives and in our lives. We have to move church back to the top of the priority list. Finally, what we see these men and women do in our scripture, we see them seeking the lost. It says, because they done all of these things and they were gathering together in the name of the Lord, they were all in one accord. It was all selfless. They seen people's lives change. They seen Jesus move in people's hearts. They seen the church grow just to be a fly on that wall. The moment, that explosion, because that's what it was, an explosion of people, 3,000 in one day, just to be there amongst them. It was because there was a group of people that was concerned more about their neighbor than they were themselves. They had Jesus, they knew Jesus, but they wanted everyone else to know about Jesus. It's the Great Commission. It's what Pastor Tyler preaches about all the time. Go. Go and make disciples. The church is beyond these four walls. It's beyond this street. It's beyond the Family Life Center. Church is sitting out there waiting on us. There's souls that are waiting to hear about Jesus. You don't have to go no further, no further than down the road in either direction to find a lost person. If you want to know the truth, you don't have to leave this sanctuary to find a lost person. We must make disciples. We must continue to pursue Christ. We must remember the Great Commission. And that's what these men and women did. That's what they did in one accordance with each other. It wasn't anything on their own agenda. It wasn't anything to profit them. The Scripture actually tells us that they sold everything that they had. They kept nothing for themselves, and it says that they gave it to all. They didn't pick and choose who they gave it to. They didn't say there's pre-qualifications on who deserved the things that they were given. They gave it to all. That's what I love about First Baptist Church, Barberville. You come as you are. We don't need to know what your last week's pay stub looked like. We don't need to know what kind of house you lived in. If you come in need, then we're going to do our best to provide that need. Whatever we have to do, If we have to sell the front pew in order to make your need happen, then that's what we'll do. Now, don't tell Tyler I said that. You will? Okay. Keep me honest, right? But it's about our neighbors. It's about our brothers. It's about our sisters. It's about those lost people. 
It should break your heart each and every day that there is lost neighbors and brothers and sisters and classmates and cousins and friends and strangers that we don't even know that live amongst us, that worship with us, that do not know Jesus Christ. We talk a lot about this church, the church that is, is being formed here in Acts chapter 2. There's a lot of heartache, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. A lot of things didn't go right. Some things did. Even the first church was not a perfect church. So if that's your excuse today for not coming to church, whether it be online or whether this be your first visit here, or maybe this is your last visit, if you're looking for the perfect church, unfortunately, you're not going to find it. You're never going to find that perfect church, and there's one reason and one reason only. It's because the church is full of people. The church is full of people that are broken. The church is full of people that are sinful. Churches full of people that are gossips. Churches full of people that are liars, that are thieves. Just like the first church. My dad told me one time, I was looking at going to college. I was looking at all these other colleges. And uh, it's like, well, Union's a good college. It's close to home. Yeah, but I heard... Heard this and that about this program. Probably not real good. Well, what about Eastern? EKU's a great college. Got a lot of things. Thinking about going into teaching. Eastern be, be a, a great thing. Well, that's a party school. And this is my dad telling me, giving me all these options, and I'm the one giving him all the reasons. I'm like, Dad, I don't, I don't know if I need to go to a party school up there in Richmond. I don't know if I'll succeed or not. Well, what about this school? So every school that he named off to me, I had a reason. I had a reason that it wouldn't be a good idea for me to go. And he finally gave me this advice. He said, you'll find exactly what you're looking for wherever you go. If you're looking for trouble, you're going to find it. doesn't matter if you go to Harvard or EKU. If you're wanting to get into meanness, you're going to get into it. And if you're looking for something good, you're going to find it. doesn't matter if it's Union College or the Cumberlands. I always kept that advice with me. And I always thought back to that, and I always hoped that I could use that with my daughters when they grew up. Whether it be something good or something bad, it comes down to what you are looking for. Same, same advice with church. If you're looking for something bad, you're going to find it in every church. If you think you're going to go down the road and find a church that doesn't have a gossip in it, you're wrong. They do. They just might, might put him or her in the back. But I promise you, they have it. If you go down the road and you're looking for a church that, that has no thieves in it, well, they have them. No liars, they have them. And again, you're going to find exactly what you're looking for. If you come here to First Baptist Church and you're looking for those things, more than likely you can find it. But if you come here to First Baptist Church and you're looking for Jesus Christ, guess what? You're going to find that too. 
It's all about what we are searching for. It's all about what we are looking for. And as long as there are people in the church, it will never be perfect. It will never be perfect. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says, the day we find the perfect church, it becomes imperfect the moment we join it. There's a lot of truth in that thought. That when you find that perfect church, it becomes imperfect when you, walked in, you walk in the building. The perfect church does not exist yet. There's a promise. There's a promise that if you are faithful and you are obedient and you have Christ in your heart and you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, oh, church, there's coming a day. There's coming a day where there will be a perfect church. And it says Christ is coming back for his church. And he's going he's gonna to reunite us with the Father and we're going to fall to our knees and we're going to sing holy, holy, holy. If you're looking for one here on earth, it's just not going to happen. The promise is it's yet to come. If you will, stand with me at this time. And maybe you have a decision to make today. Maybe it's a decision about church. Maybe it goes further than that. Maybe it goes, maybe it's a little more foundational than that. Maybe you need to make a decision about your soul. Maybe you need to accept Christ into your heart. Maybe you need to make that declaration and commitment today. Well, guess what? You're in the perfect place with a bunch of imperfect people to make that decision. So I urge you, as our worship team gets ready, come down, make that commitment. Make that pledge to Christ. Ask him into your heart and see that your life is forever changed and your eternity is forever secured. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.